0: Listener production. Howdy, you are listening to episode 10 of the Howie Games Artist Series Part B featuring Greg Pickhaver. Do not forget whatever you do to get your hands on H.G. Nelson's new book, The Fairy Tale, a real and imagined history of Australian sports and beauty. All right, back to what I say. So where does H.G first pop into your head? What's his first incarnation?
1: I think if I was, if I remember correctly, it was a, a, as a letter writer or as one of those occasionally you have, um, this is a bit hard, you know, talk back, I suppose. You know, talk back on the, might have been the ABC about uh, a music topic they were talking about, um, but they were talking about something and I realised they'd made a mistake. So I rang up to correct the mistake as HG.
0: So you rang up as this mystical character for the first yeah, time? straight A. Straight so away. where was HG in your head or did he just come out when you started
1: speaking? No, no, no. That would be wrong. Uh, huh. I've got to be honest here. Two things happened and, again, luck played an enormous part, is uh, a friend of mine gave me a typewriter and that enabled me to do something to objectify slightly, in other words, on the printed page, instead of just thinking about it, I was able to put it down. And as soon as I started putting it down, I realised, oh, you could piece these things together and make a character out of them. Huh. So the typewriter is a big thing. And then the, the next thing that happened was that um, I got, I don't mean this to sound wrong, but I was in Wollongong and uh, I was, um... You know, it was one of those times where my son was born and me and my partner didn't have any income and so my partner put a name down as a relief teacher or, you know, as a yeah relief teacher, I think it was. Uh, And uh, so uh, being home and with these two things going on of my son, a typewriter, and this weird sort of world around me, as luck would have it into this, popped a few people who were connected with a theatre and education group, uh, which was very common. I'm not sure whether they still have those things now. But anyway, it was very common in that in those times. And one of the lads out of that sort of was sort of knew a fair bit about show business from working in bands and stuff like that. And so talking to him, I was able to get the idea that you could do something in an area like Wollongong, which in Sydney you I probably wouldn't have had the chutzpah if that's the right word to do. I, I haven't explained that at all well. But, no, no, but, you have. Uh, 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 geography is a big part of this.
0: So does HG perform in any medium in a show on the radio or anything before by himself before Roy comes along? Uh,
1: yes, quite a lot. This is, um, this is sort of really weird. I can remember making uh, shows... Uh, yeah, before Roy comes along we Remember of course all through this, all, through this whole period It's I'm putting myself up to make ads And you know working small bits in film And sort of thinking well, How's this all going to work out And Did you go on any ads? Uh, yeah quite a lot of ads for ANSET Can you remember ANSET? Yeah
2: 269 airline passengers are a lot to get on or off Any one aircraft Especially on a short flight which is why at Ansett we've deliberately chosen to go with a larger fleet of smaller, more efficient Boeing jets.
1: Ah, uh, 4X was a famous ad. We went out to Broken Hill.
2: Australians wouldn't give a castle mind 4X for anything else.
1: Now, I'm not sure where that fits. That must be before HG is, um, ha- has a so set of credits.
0: So, so you're going on these ads for Ansett and
1: 4X as an actor? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, as a straight actor. Right, yeah, okay. Bit part okay. player, but there's film parts all through this too. You know, there's sort of like uh, uh, what do we make? Uh, break of day, undercover. Uh, they they sort of take off a bit more when HG comes along. But there's quite a few beforehand.
0: Oh, I saw I saw you in a film. Now I wrote it down. What was that film? It was a well-known film that I saw you in. Yes, this will hurt a bit. Playing the role of a dentist. Yeah, de- this won't hurt a bit.
2: <laughs> so to make these crowns. You virtually have to chop a tooth in
1: half. So? Or just like that. Chop a whole tooth in half. It's only a tooth. It's not an arm or a leg. And look at what you get.
2: What do you get? You get straight white
1: teeth. That's what you get. Little rows of porcelain thimbles that fit over the top. They can change your personality overnight. Turn a plain Jane into a princess. Movie stars have rows of them. Now, that's not long after HG begins on Triple J. That's So
0: So, so when HG appears on Triple J, is he still solo or not?
1: No. Um, I worked with a guy who, who was a softer character, like a jockey-like character, and we made some stuff, I'm pretty sure, both for sort of theatre uh, events and I'm pretty sure for Triple J because he's very well-connected. Okay. Uh, with the world of, uh, you know, that sort of show business. Anyway, not long after that, I got a job on uh, Five Times Disney for SBS, which was a, uh, a kids, ostensibly a kids program with adults in it, obviously. Yes. And um, uh, I've left out heaps of this, That's so it fine. doesn't make any That's sense. Fine. doesn't make sense. Like like anybody, leaves out heaps of stuff. Anyway, um In that, I met John, who was playing the mad professor of the area.
2: The professor was always around and doing something,
1: but it was better if you didn't ask what. And honestly, I had this stuff going as sort of as HG became and within 30 seconds of talking with John, I knew it was exactly the foil that I needed because I didn't need a weaker character. I needed a more assertive character. And Johnny provides that in spades, as you may have noticed. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, within thirty seconds, I knew, oh, this this is this is weird. This is weird coming to work on this thing. And remember, of course, in a in a kids show, the parents have lots of time waiting around on the set because it's all about the kids, understandably. So I realised that he was a really good contact to have. And so as time went on, we just sort of worked up those things as you do in a caravan, waiting for your bits. To be done. And then uh, I said to him, Oh, let's stay in touch. And then out of the blue, I think Triple J's breakfast producer uh, rang up and said, Would we do a weekly bit about sport for the breakfast show? And I thought, I'll ring up John and see if he's still interested. And he was. And so that's how all that started quite by innocent, sort of passing the time, job and actors with time on their hands. Wondering what to do next.
0: So, we could go through, you know, the the radio dominance, dominance, etc. Um, club buggery was a massive show. I think you guys won a logie mm. for that.
2: Rampaging Roy and it's Nelson. It's time to rumble. It's time to samba. It's time to rattle, to dazzle. It's time to club buggery.
0: But for for you know, you had such a a tight, not niche audience, but had such that tight Triple J audience. But you tell me, but to me when the Olympic gig started to roll oh, and wow. you did the dream in Sydney, then it was, you know, all the country did was watch the Olympics in Sydney in 2000 and you guys were the most entertaining part of it. It was a time when you could go away from sport. Nowadays, you know, there's all the different feeds and you can watch sport the whole time. But how seminal was that for for you guys when you, like, you just exploded at that point from from where I sit. Ah. Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to The Dream. Okay, you couldn't go to Channel 7 beforehand and say, this is what we want to do. We didn't actually know that we were going to do that, but that's, we were versed enough in how show business worked to do it. So my favourite story about this was, we, I once, I used to catch the train around a lot in those days, and I can remember catching the train all the way from King's Cross down to Thoreau, I think it was. Uh, oh, actually, further than that, down to Wanoona. And one day I sat behind two girls who were obviously goths. Now, you know, the goths had black hair, purple clothes, uh, you know, Robert Smith and the Cure, all that sort of stuff. And I tuned into their conversation. This was after I finished work, and I realised that t- these two girls were talking about Roy and HG along the lines of, "And then the one says this, uh, and then the one says that." Uh. <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, if I could persuade two goss to listen to it, I could persuade anybody to listen to it. And so <laughs> that was a great, a great tonic to hear people who didn't know who the fuck I was at all, because we we're very anonymous when it comes to the Olympics. The, the. Two great things about preparing for the Olympics, which I always say is, uh, 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 you know, luck again. Firstly, the boss of the Olympics rings up, the television of the Olympics rings up and says, would you like to come and make a uh, television show about the Olympics? Previously to that, as you point out, we've made 126 episodes of Club Buggery and Variations for the ABC, a sort of tonight show. We had become becalmed because we couldn't make a jump from what we were doing to something else. We tried and it fell terribly flat. mostly somebody else wore the egg for that, not us. But anyway, <laughs> that, then what happens is, so luck would have it. We didn't have anything to do. And I had the wit to say, you know what you're going to get. Now, yeah. if you're ever in that position, that's the line to say, you know what you're going to get, meaning we wouldn't come if you wanted to make us into... You know Brian Taylor and Hamish. Right. We were never going to be them. We so we're, we're going to do. Be them.
0: We're going to do our thing.
1: Yeah, good on you. Ring us back in three weeks if you still want us to come. Mercifully, he rang back in three weeks, and I've never know why I said that, but that was what I said. i never, I didn't feel the slightest bit as though that was a plausible thing to likely to happen. So I thought I could be flippant and say, you know what, you're going to get. But as luck would have, as luck would have it, they stuck. And so then we make the Olympics and all of a sudden people know what we do. Now it's impossible to line those dominoes up for a hit.
0: So so some of those things at the Olympics that just exploded the 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 the, the dubbed commentary whether it was Eric the Eel going for the Equatorial yeah. Guinea
2: record. And this is the Olympic spirit writ large here at the Sydney Aquatic Centre this morning in heat one of the 100 metres free as we see a one competitor race, sole competitor from Equatorial Guinea, Eric Musumbani. Roy, bring it's, it home. Bring the boy home, Roy. It's, it's the Come on, on. Eric. of support here today. Go, Eric. Go, Eric. Eric, bring it in. Come on, Come Eric. on Eric. Come on, Eric. You can get there. Get, can get in. Get <laughs> Get By the great great Eric Musumbani. forget Thor,
0: forget Clint. or the the gymnastics with a spin the date and the battered sav. Uh, this is this is a very uh production question but when they would roll the vision on that did you guys uh, is it a rehearsed thing or is it no Re-rolling and these expressions are coming out, or is battered saver something you discuss and then you work? How does it work? Is, is my uh, it's a it's a complex way to ask a simple question.
1: That's alright. Um, now, in the in the uh, gymnastics, we felt as though seven wanted us to do the gymnastics because they had to cover it, but they didn't know how to cover it. That was the impression. <laughs> right. So they we think, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? So we looked at it and as in this is in preparation this is in your pre-production and thought it's almost impossible to do this because you don't know what the things are you don't know somebody told us that and i'm not sure if it's true or not that we always thought that the terms were descriptive terms you know the triple axle that's yeah. just three on on the on the, on ice. the yeah go on the vertical on the vertical spin but then we realized a lot of them are named after the Person who first introduced it into competition. I might have said this to you before, but anyway, that, that was the thing. So we thought, hang on a minute, if they're all like that, why don't we make up the terms? And <laughs> if you do enough of it, the audience will grab it because they'll think, oh, that's a battered salve, that's a Dutch wheat, that's a Chico roll, and they participate in it. Again, you make them part of the club and they're okay. on you for life. The okay. same idea.
2: Okay. Yes, Yang Wei up now uh, from China and uh, very, very exciting, a very, very exciting prospect. Here's Wigwams with Phil Roy, I mean there's been very big raps in the Sydney media already about this bloke he put on a display I understand at the last lap last night, of Wigwams with Ferge on the bar and he had everybody in uproar. Here he comes now into the corner and ready to start, Yang Wei uh, from China and uh, China, God what a place. Incredible gymnastic talent, so deep. I think he began. Uh, he began gymnastics in the womb, Roy. This boy. I think so. They passed in a bar Back to the Ming Dynasty, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does indeed. All oh, look at that. Marvellous corkscrew. Fantastic. fantastic reposition. Just as a settler. There. Just as, as a settler. He's just feeling the mat here. Feeling the He Look at that. that. Fantastic. Bang oh, oh, the back the bats bats straight into that. Straight into that Hello Boys there, HG. And here we are, a closed door, and then a 360-degree... <laughs> look at that party party date. And also a little Hello Boys there. A the Hello, Hello Boys, Boys on the top of the party date. Yeah, and on, Very good work. Tool oh, bag, bag, flat bag. Flat <laughs> bag. Hands in Hervely the air. controlled. Will he go into a, a Hello Boys? Out of that? Yes, he yeah. is. And closes the door and it's me. That's right. Then he closes the door in the vertical. It's not me. Everyone's home.
1: But add two idiots who know nothing about it. And they've got to keep the ball in the air because the routine lasts a certain amount of time, and you've got to keep swinging at that balloon to keep it off the ground. And that's the that's the charm of that's the fun of doing it.
0: But it obviously, it, it, I used the word exploded before it exploded, and then Fatso the wombat. I was I was looking back, and uh, there, there was a, there was officials discussing. Um, the use by an Australian yes. athlete was it? Climby that took it onto the
1: pool that, deck. It, okay, what happened there was he he was um, a great early adopter. <laughs> we had uh, producers who helped us and would go around and film Climby with the with the thing with the fatso. But then what happened was was that we had a tiny bit of animation, and of course <laughs> the idea that the battler's prince was somehow the most important (laughs) thing in the Olympics, in the end having his own bomb off, uh, winning gold in the bomb off and all this sort of stuff. So it all built across there and the more the Fatso was able to get around became sort of what was Fatso's day sort of thing. You know, how did he get out and about today, who did he meet today and all this sort of stuff. There has been a mascot that some of the Australian swimmers have been carrying in called FATSO the Wombat and there is a suggestion that perhaps the IOC has made some ruling to uh, ban FATSO. <laughs> I'm not aware of banning FATSO. Given that there are official Games mascots, um, is FATSO stealing the show and does Sokok have any concern about
2: that?
0: No, they don't. We don't. I don't think he's stealing the
2: show. I'd like to ask Michael Klim and, and Grant Hackett uh, what the appeal was of taking Fatso the Wombat onto the medals podium. And, and I'd like to ask you, Peter, uh, whether any instructions have gone out to the Australian team as a whole to, to keep Fatso off the podium. This is a matter, I think, I'd, which I'd prefer to answer rather than on the swimmers. It's a matter of some uh, commercial sensitivity at the, at the moment and I would prefer not to answer the question.
1: So it was kind of, uh, there were a lot of lucky bits in it. Uh, I, I mean, I was amazed afterwards because people who you passed every day in the street, like, suddenly knew what you did.
0: And how was that experience for you? It's the old overnight sensation, but it's 20 years to get to there. What's it like when it changes, when you go from a bloke's voice on the radio to walking down to Woolies and everyone's like, oh, they're starting to call you HG and shouting out battered Sav and shouting out all your famous lines? What was that like for you?
1: Well, that's uh, sort of like um, you have to be careful here. Uh, My advice is after you do something like that is to go away and be very quiet for a while. Um the 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 difficulty is is that we never set ourselves up to be uh mainstream stars in that way. I was trying to think of an example of somebody who, you know, was around at that time who's sort of still there now. We didn't want to ever do the Today show or yeah. stuff like that. There was never gonna be like that. It was not But, but you were, did become mainstream stars in yes, the space of sixteen days. Ah, uh, yes, this is a separate issue. Um Hit hit, hit records or anything that's a hit. Remember, we work in popular culture, what am i telling you this for. We work in popular culture. The bus comes along. People ask you to get on the bus. It drives along for a while and then all of a sudden people ask you to get off the bus. You've got to (laughs) treat getting on and getting off with the same degree of acceptance.
0: That is a great explanation.
1: It's a great explanation. You can't uh, think, well, I deserve to be on the bus. No, you don't. No, you don't.
0: But you're still yeah. on the bus. That's the remarkable thing. We're talking to you, the year 2000, you're still on the bus in 2021. You're still you know, driving the bus.
1: You know, this is weird that you say this, is we have battled a bit lately in terms of nothing to do with the work. We think we're doing as good a work as ever. People love, still love what we're doing. The technology's changed so much. We can no longer call the State of Origin Games or the Grand Finals. We, You know, yeah. this year we and people thinking career best form for bludge and I'm thinking that can't be right it's time to bump it's time to
2: thump it's time to bludge (laughs) footy mad Aussies pull them up and pack them down for another blast of bludging on the blind side with the master of midfield mayhem, rampaging Roy Slaven and the man who never lets them get away, HG Nilsson. Hook another lucky trout, HG.
1: But remember, of course, it is now. That's what they're thinking about now. There's nothing like this now. And this year we had a parallel program called Dodging Armageddon, which was the number one podcast for that 16 days again of the Japan Olympics. Yes, yes. And you think... That is fantastic. I never thought we'd be able to do that. I never thought you'd be able to get in a new technology, in a new way of experiencing what we do, in a new uh, paradigm of promotion and sort of reaching an audience. I never thought you'd be able to do it, but we did it. And but the,
0: that, yeah, the podcast space has become. Uh, you, you guys dominate the podcast space with Bludging. You know, it's, no, it's no. a dominant. It's a dominant podcast now. So you've adapted with the correct. Like, like you say, the, like in a modern Olympics, I don't know whether you could do Roy and HG because there's sport on the whole time. You can watch every single option. You know, Channel Seven with Seven Plus did a great job. There was sport on constantly. So you've adapted and you've rolled with it, though
1: by choice or not. Get this: how lucky were we last year that the ABC didn't have any rights? Exactly. Exactly. So we were the only we were the only Olympic content they had, apart from news, newsgaf, which is sort of more or less reading the scores out. But they had no commentary, comment. And so what happens is, is we could make this without any rights to the whole thing. There was not yeah. one bit of Olympic reality or actuality in it and um, so you go i was going to say so i take your point entirely about the the way that you have to be able to adapt to all these things and be aware of them but be mindful that that even though we're hidden because we're not on television or something like that, it's still popular culture. The popular culture principles remain the same. They're hard to enunciate, but there's no guarantee of future success because you have success now.
0: Let's get back to Greg. You talked about the live calls of the AFL Grand Final. State of origin became, I think, especially if you're Victorian, because you liked rugby league, but it wasn't do or die. So you would listen to to mm. to you, mm. um, to Roy and HG and the you know the um, what was uh, Petro 70? What did you used to call him? Seventy cents was it? Seventy cents a litre?
1: I think so. Yeah. A, and, no. and
0: the brick with
1: eyes, the brick with and, eyes, all those sort of things and. Backdoor Benny Elias, of yeah. course, was a big line, So
0: how, how do you go about... Like It's hard enough to call a game of sport as yourself. Like I go mm. to the footy as me to mm-hmm. call the footy or mm-hmm. the cricket. How do you go about calling live action as someone yeah. else or does it just... It just
2: happened yes, uh, Put away by someone Little by looks yeah. Oh there we go Oh Bailey's involved Oh, oh here we are Oh there we go, there we go. There really, we're Exactly talking. Timely After
1: 60 minutes 23 nil on the scoreboard it's 23-0. Suddenly it's looking like rugby league all of a sudden Thanks very much Roy It's looking like a game of rugby okay. okay
2: Bailey was involved in Webke Who started I think Webke started actually Out of frustration And I think Webke started Now oh, Gordy, shut up Shut up Shut up. Yeah, where's the penalty going? Where's it going? It's going to the Maroons. Well, that's wrong. It's happening. Yeah, that's play. what started off. Oh, is that what started it? That was a love tap. Oh, oh well, then a slap, a cat slap. Yeah. There, oh, then it's and on. Then, and that's fantastic. That's why people oh, play rugby. Why. Like it. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. Well, families. That's a family image. It's is a family image. Okay. Oh,
1: Can I point out its work? Yes. It's work. Right. I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to be big-headed about this. No. But that's what we do as a job. Okay. So you, That's a great explanation, you know, yeah. That's where the, the work is, this great lucky thing that we've happened on is that you can make entertainment in a different way about sport, which doesn't refer to the idea of listing all the cup winners or all the knocks at this oval as part of it. It's something completely different.
0: And what's the key to a long and successful partnership that you have with John slash okay. Roy, yeah, Roy. How, how do you keep it, you know, 40 years of working together, I, I'm sure any relationship has ups and downs, whether you guys have, but how do you continue to bring the, the frission, the energy and the, obviously you're great mates, like do you hang around or do you not hang around? No, the trick is,
1: the trick is, see very little of each other.
0: So the energy's because there. Because when
1: you come, yeah, good. Yeah, okay. And me, uh, John and I talk about the state of the world as warm-up and then we go to work. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, he he he, he will, uh, you know, be across the new front and back page of the paper, same as me, but or, you know, the television or whatever it is, but we talk about that as a way of warming up. We don't spend a If we spend a lot of time together, all we do is do the show. And now it's <laughs> we used to find that we'd go out, Uh, or often go to the gig together, but then we'd say, oh, that didn't go very well. And then we realised we'd done it twice and so we don't like doing that or we're not very good at doing that. So (laughs) that that the work is something that has its own demands and disciplines. We work separately. We, in terms of, you know, preparing the work, I will go through topics that I think we should talk about and then off we go. Now, what happens in the show is it wildly veers off that. (laughs) Because you've got no idea about, and it's up to me to uh, direct the show as we go along. Okay. So sometimes I get it wrong, mainly because I can't read, uh, but sometimes I get it wrong. But you pick that up instantly. Uh, so that never feel as though mistake is a bad thing. I know that's a truism that people say. Never feel as though use it and somehow develop, get beyond it. Uh,
0: so so if, if there is mistakes or you said, you know, you, you drive together and the show wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily work or you've had, had a show that hasn't worked or a series that hasn't worked, how have you learned to deal with, I loved your explanation of getting on and off the bus, how do you feel when you walk out of the studio and you don't think it has worked that day? Uh,
1: well, the big problems is or two big problems is only John and me know if it hasn't worked. We're not going to flag it to you. Yeah. Inside it, you know, it has a work and it's got to do often with not so much what we do, but the positioning of things that we do on them, the order of things. So sometimes famously on television, when we're not going, when, we, when we've done a lot of television and we're getting tired, is I'll move an item too far up the agenda. So it can't, we, we're relying on you not knowing and famously, I can remember, the Lithgow Olympics, the Winter Olympics in Lithgow. I remember famously one night starting with that and I realised, oh, fucking hell, I fucked the show because we wanted all the rest out of the road and that was a sort of button item at the end.
0: Okay, but but I don't know that because I haven't don't seen know the rundown.
1: It. You haven't seen the rundown, that's right. You haven't seen, or you haven't seen the aftermath. Um, you know, you, you, don't, you just don't know it.
0: So I always finish the podcast this way. And people need to get onto your mate HG's book, The Fairy Tale. I've enjoyed mm. it. Uh, very, very entertaining read. Or any of the books HG's released because there's there's many. There's many in the uh, in the armory. I always finish this way, uh, Greg, for, for young people listening to this show that want to have some success in whatever they're doing. Uh-huh. It might be to be a comedian or a performer or it might be to be an engineer or an accountant or a builder or a surfer for a living. Mm. From your experience, and you've you actually have, you've mentioned the word luck a lot of times, what advice would you give to those youngsters that are listening going, geez, I'd like to have a real crack at something as Greg seems to have done?
1: Okay, well, the advice that I'll give is, and again, uh, ignore this if you want to. I, I mean, I state that obviously, but um, <laughs> uh, my, my two big things are don't have early success. If you have early success, be wary. You have to work out whether you really want to do this. You have to work out whether you want to keep puzzling over whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, uh, astrophysics or, you know, you can learn as much as you like about it, but then you have to decide whether that's what you want to do, whether it explains the world enough to you, whether it involves you in understanding the minutiae of life ranging from why, if you're in science, why politics won't give you more money for whatever you want to do to the fact that all of a sudden you're interested in the ants in the backyard and what that there's none of them left and what are you going to do about it? Anyway, mm. don't have early success is a big problem. And the other thing is make it hard. Make it hard. Um, the idea for me was that uh, it took me the best part of Uh, let's see, see, we have 20 to 40, basically 20 years to work out what to do. And in the meantime, the world turns. The world turns. If you make it hard, the world's always turning and wanting new things and new ideas. And if you've got a hard idea, eventually the world will turn in your favour and don't underestimate luck.
0: It's a great explanation. I'd love to finish this by telling your brief story now. So the 2004 Athens Olympics, I was there as a producer at Channel 7 and you were obviously there performing on your show and you were smashing plates yes. constantly uh, yeah. at that Olympics. And That's we right. went out a couple of times for dinner with, uh, well, he was my boss, I guess he was your boss for 16 days, Saul Stein. Oh, he was yes. head of sport yes. at Channel 7. Yes. And, and he took us out a few times for dinner and there was myself and you and a couple of others and John. And I, I was only a young man and out and about around Athens and I can just remember, you won't recall, but you sat next to me one night at dinner and chatted to me for 45 minutes about me and where I was going with my career and what I was hoping to do. And I was a young man and you were the star of the show and I've never forgot it that you had the, the generosity and the time to chat with me and be interested to me when everybody was bowing down at your feet and it's something that stuck with me for a long, long time. So for me to now have you on the podcast is a real thrill, mate. It's fantastic.
1: Well, that's uh, very kind of you to remember that, Howie. I must say I can't.
0: <laughs> no, no. It would, you would have been thinking, "Geez, do I have to keep talking to this kid? No, you've got
1: no idea. This is a trick. I'm way more interested in finding about what you're doing than telling you what I'm doing. Yeah, right. By by a factor of 500%. Because I know what I'm doing. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know if I can nick any of your ideas. <laughs> that's what it's about. That's right. what it's about. Everybody knows what they're doing they don't know what the the person sitting next to them at the dinner table that's is. That's a great point. I don't think I've
0: got any ideas that you need to nick no, but no, it's a great explanation. The difficulty is the difficulty is
1: is it's to do with a phrase or a, remember I'm hoovering all this up. It's a phrase it's a turn of phrase or it's reminding me about being in Indonesia or stuff like that. And that's though that's the record of information that I draw on to make the show. That's the record of the experience of the week that I draw on to make the show. Um, You know, all that's, you know, in fact, the origin of the show, the Roy and HG show, comes from going to the football and listening to others, not me, others call out the brick with eyes (laughs) and making the idea that people go to the football because they want to entertain themselves as much as be entertained by Eels playing Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs.
0: Well, I don't want to overstep the mark then, but I would love to hear Roy and HG this weekend on their podcast or on the Fantastic So uh, on the ABC. I would love to hear you guys discuss in depth what could potentially happen between Langer and Hayden and the bromance that's gone on for 20 years and now they're on the other side of the equation. By the time this goes to air, that game will have been played. But it fascinates me that the two great mates that used to hug each other out in the middle... Uh, opposed to each other, one as captain of uh, Australia, coach of Australia, and one as the batting uh, coach of Pakistan.
1: And look how much we've got out of Langer being coach. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. the story just goes on and on and on. It does, it does,
0: it does. Um, mate, I appreciate you joining me on the show. HG Nelson has released a book, The Fairy Tale, you should read it. Check out the boys' podcast, it dominates at the top of the charts. Thanks so much, mate. It's been a, a pleasure, and
1: hopefully, I'll see you in the water. Yeah, now, can I point out that the Bludge is on holidays where. Growing deep oh, right. in, pre- in, in pre-season in training. So when's blood when does the bunch come back? It comes back in the second week of March when the okay. rugby league season starts. Righto. Yeah, Right-o. so we're, the books are tidying over and plenty of old podcasts you can listen to.
0: Okay, good on you, mate. Stay safe. Thank you very much for joining me on the Howie Games Art of Series.
1: Cheers, Howie. All the best.
0: As a broadcaster, I took so much out of that conversation with Greg. All the stuff about attacking, I thought was really, really cool. Thanks to Greg for his time, his humour, his passion and his detailed explanations about the art of entertainment. hope you loved it as well. And hope you also love the art of series in general. Well done to all my Das, whose work ethic and help in getting this series up, running and then done and keeping me going through it all it was fantastic. Never drops a ball, the kid. Back to regular Howie Games, Thursday drops from now on. Up next, Kate Campbell. She comes on Thursday. That's Kate Campbell. The next chapter will be dropping in your feed on Thursday. Until then, peace and love.
2: Listener.